0: Hey, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Not The Damn Patrick Show. It's where Kootsy, Bondine, Burma, I take turns in answering the question, just how big of a Muppet is Nick Kyrgios? But uh, we're professionals, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll crack on. But uh, how have you guys been this week?
1: Good, mate, good. How about yourself?
0: Just recovering, man, just recovering. What about you, Koots?
2: Nah, same old, mate. In the desert, it's not uh, too much to do on the weekend here. Just desperate for sport to get back, I can tell you what.
0: Oh, man. that's uh, I, I was super stoked because um, I'm laying in hospital, and uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be in a private hospital. They actually have Fox footy, so I got to watch like 900 games of the NRL. So I just sat <laughs> really? there for, for like hours just with the TV on. It was great. Nice. Yeah, so that was pretty handy. Um but look, so this week we're going to run through a few bits and pieces. Obviously, we're we'll talking a bit about the news, and we just had that week of NRL, and um, we'll go have a look at some other things. that like we had the, we're talking a bit about the rivalry with um, Eddie Hall and uh, and Hafthor Bjornsson, but uh, we also looked at um, the possibility of uh, of um, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield coming back, which seems bananas to me because they're about how old are those guys now? That would be in their fifties.
2: I think they have a combined age of a hundred and ten.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 <laughs> like that's pretty it's pretty bananas. Like I was pretty sure Ivanda's like he's nearly sixty, he'd be getting close. But yeah, it's pretty crazy. So like if those two coming back I mean it's like that movie they brought out with Robert De Niro and uh, Sylvester Stallone, that grudge <laughs> match. <laughs> <is. laughs>
2: yeah. Fifty three yeah. and fifty seven, Mike Tyson's slightly the younger but still.
0: Jesus in
2: well, in that in that, uh, in that spirit I
0: thought you know we, we could talk about rivalries that we would love to actually see come back so we could have a look and see what um, what ones that we've been fans of growing up like I, I remember quite a few um, sport rivalries uh, you know that, that were all different sports but they were just great fun to watch um, but uh, then we're also going to have a chat about uh, we've seen a few of these guys. Getting done for the drug cheats and a few other things like that. Um, one of them popped up recently. Um, again, just young guys, just treating, just getting tested for PEDs and all that sort of stuff. But, but uh, just the, the sport's most famous one. So we'll pick a couple and see uh, see how we go with those ones as well. Um, and we'll run through basically one of the big ones that I found in Australia. And you guys have probably seen this as well. I think we talked about it a bit with AFL and NRL. Um, not really having, like, a, um, I guess a feeder system. you got, like, Queensland Cup and VFL, but it's not as well established as, like, the American College system, right?
1: No, exactly. Um, I think the the American College system has done really well, um, and their sport uh, has got a lot to show for that. Uh, I'd like to see a feeder system in Australia. Um, i just the query that I've got is where's the money coming from? Like, um, you've got a lot of people sponsoring, donating money to um, the universities uh, to get their systems up and running um, and to maintain those systems. So um, in Australia, yeah, that's my big question. Where's the money coming from to support that feeder system, particularly in the college or university realm?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a fair question. I mean, I know with the Yanks, like for example, if you go through a March Madness, they have a couple of billion dollars in in um, ad revenue just just from just from that uh, going through there. Like they have, you know, a ladder sponsorship for cutting the net down at the end. For God's sake, like it's just bananas. <laughs> um, but it's just uh, I, I don't know. Like Kooty, where, where would the money come from? Have you got any any ideas on that one?
2: So so the money, if you're talking about the collegiate uh, like NCAA in the states. The money comes from those TV deals as well as your fans pay to go see these games. And the biggest thing that people, that's completely overshadowed, is the athletes that are playing as student-athletes, they're considered semi-professional, so they don't have to pay them, or they're not allowed to pay them. By the current letter of the law, they're student-athletes, and they're not actually allowed to get paid to play.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good point too. I guess is that they they don't actually yeah they're not the student athletes. They're not allowed to actually get paid anything outside of a, a valuable education, uh, and that, that's and, and most of these guys let's face it they never actually graduate. But you know whatever. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, right. it's, it's just how it is, but it's an interesting thing to, to look through and should Australia actually develop that as a system. I think that's, that's a cool thing, but also we wanted to look through some news and, and uh, have a look at it. Um, I think the, probably the biggest news for the week was the NRL season, um, kicked back off. Um, had some pretty good games. Um, I could see, oh, sorry, uh, Bondi, we, we had a look at the Cowboys game. Um, and we're pretty, pretty stoked with the outcome, mate.
1: Yeah, I was impressed overall, uh, the way that they played. Uh, a few areas to work on there. Um, and like I said last week, it is a bit of a warm-up game. Um, so, you know, NRL was kind enough to do that for them. But having said that, um, all the games this weekend um, have had, you know, a big margin uh, in them. So yeah. you're looking at the Warriors beating the... The dragons by 18 points. Um, hmm. I think that's probably one of the close closer games the weekend from memory. Um, but yeah, I think the the Cowboys performed really well. Valentine Holmes is developing nicely. Um, I still think he's out of position at fullback, but um, yeah, overall, uh, definitely uh, a good looking side.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think they're going to keep developing and. Um, if they keep playing that way, then they're going to do well. Um, and particularly when uh, <laughs> when I saw how the Broncos played, I thought they were going to be uh, doing quite well, but um, not so much. Um, but then <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting to see. I mean, did you catch any of the NRL on the weekend?
1: Uh
2: bits and pieces. I could not uh, not being being a uh, lacking NRL fan, I, I couldn't commit to a full game, but. <laughs> yeah I'm looking at scores now and it's it's yeah it's very surprised that the scores were what they were I thought we'd get a lot more a lot more even scores coming back from such an unknown period and especially the the Warriors is one that jumps up to me because they're effective they they um they're playing out of Tamworth or something for a while there I think
0: yeah they they came into Tamworth to do their training camp but uh, there you go Isolation not yeah I mean, even that, as we speak, the Eagles and the Bulldogs are playing. The Eagles are up 32-6. Oh, it's getting like, spanked. Yeah, it's just bananas. I, I mean, the Eels just went, went rampant over the Broncos. Cowboys won 36-6. to six. Yeah. Uh, The Roosters and the Rabbitohs look like the closest. Oh, no, sorry. The West Tigers and the Sharks were the closest game at 28-16. to 16. I oh, know, wait, yeah. oh, whoa, whoa, there was one game that was the tied game, I missed it. There you go, the draw. <laughs> yeah. the Panthers and the Knights, that, that was actually the You can't get game. any closer than that. You literally can't get any closer, it was a tied <laughs> game, I completely forgot about that one. Um, but I mean, to be fair, it's the Panthers and the Knights and I couldn't care less. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not, a, not a huge fan of those guys, but look, I mean, the Panthers, I actually think they're going to be relatively competitive this year, um, and the Knights probably will be top eight as well, but... Um, I think I still think, like I said last week I think Canberra is going to take it are they 're just going to be too good um but there was yeah it, it was it was definitely uh, a bit of a lopsided week, I thought,
1: yeah, and there are some clubs that came out of this, um having put in a lot more preparation into the rule changes, I feel um yes. and we brought this up throughout the week as well, and I feel like these rule changes have been really beneficial for the game, yeah, you know, not many penalties. The flow of the game is increased. Um, it's just you know, there's been a couple of errors, which is fine. Like we always okay. knew going back to one ref, um, you know, having the tackle resets throughout sets and stuff like that instead of penalties. Um, you know, it was going to be difficult, but um, yeah, some teams are just prepared better for it, um, and I feel like the results um, have shown that. Um, the one that did surprise me though, was the Storm going down to the Raiders by such a margin, at yeah. home no yeah. less. Um, I mean, they've got Cameron Smith as their hooker. Like, <laughs> I thought they, of all teams, um, with that veteran experience, would be able to um, adapt the best of these rule changes, but um, unfortunately, Cameron Smith maybe had an off day, um, or maybe Canberra were just too good. But um, yeah, I really yeah. like the new the rule changes and the new format that um, it's going forward.
0: Oh, that's a fair point, mate. I mean, like, I think with the Canberra Canberra Melbourne game, I think Canberra was just very good. Um, they were very well drilled, and their fitness was actually at quite a good standard. Um, but I think with Cameron Smith specifically. Um, I'm pretty sure the man's like 36 now and he's, <laughs> so he's, uh, he's probably been knackered, I reckon. His, his body just, his brain might be there, but his body's just not quick enough to do what he wants anymore. Um, and I mean, it's the same thing happened to JT in the last season for for him as well. And the guys, like, they just, they, this would probably be, if it's not his last season, I'll be very surprised. Um, but look, I, I just think that he's just at that stage now where he's just not going to be able to, uh, keep up with what his brain wants to do. So, uh, that, that's the same thing happened to Billy Slater. Um, they, they all get to that stage, I man, unfortunately. Uh, unless your name's Tom Brady, in which case, apparently, you can just somehow <laughs> be a, short and just keep going. um, but that's pretty much, uh, did you have any other, oh, the only other final point I wanted to, to bring up was the, uh, the amazing, uh, <laughs> I think it was like, it was a bit of a shock to the players. Uh, I think it's going to be the same with the AFL in particular because it's such a, it's a very it's a very uh running based game in terms of the, the distance you run but I saw the guys um, at about the 20 25 minutes into the game and they were just wrecked they were buggered they were just <laughs> completely gassed all the big forwards are just, like, hands down on their haunches, just,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: near the oxygen on the sidelines. They were just buggered. And I think it was just a bit of a shock to the system. I mean, they finally got going and everything, but it was just, I think it was uh, the game fitness just isn't quite there at the moment. Where uh, by Now, normally, they're hitting their, their strides hitting their peak, but uh, the poor buggers having a straight start. So. Um, but that was the other point. Did you guys have anything else from uh, from the weekend there? I think there was, there was a bit of news with the uh, F1 as well.
1: Oh, well, could you take
2: F1? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the news <laughs> is that um, we're going to have F1 back at this point on July fifth, I think it is. Um, you can understand that their their season is going to be as interrupted as any season, as any professional season going around, because you've got to track to so many different countries. But they're actually going to do, and it's the first time they've ever done it in um, Formula One history. They're going to have a back-to-back race weekends in the Red Bull ring in Austria, I believe it is. So they're going to have, yeah, yeah, back-to-back racing weekends. Um, The uh, technical regulations that were supposed to come out, I think are supposed to come out at the end of next year, have gone to, I think they've been pushed back and then recalculated basically because the um, governing body, the FIA or Formula One, are a little bit concerned money-wise about what we're going to have by the end of this Formula 1 season. And adding on to that, um, like Williams themselves have come out and said, who who, if you aren't aware, Williams are probably one of the longest surviving Formula 1 teams that haven't been bought and redone and so on and so forth. And the last of kind of the, the family-owned um, Formula 1 teams that have now come out and said we've we'll, we'll lost, I think it's like $24 million loss from last year, and has basically said to all their minority minority share owners, "Hey, you guys want to put a bit more money in? You can be yeah. a major. <laughs> like Just they're, they're basically, yes, <laughs> pretty much. They're um, they're at the point where they're like, we we need money bad. I mean, they lost their twenty four mil from last year, and with COVID and everything, that's kicked off. You know, it, it could be worse again this year. So they're they're dying for money there.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's 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 a fair point, man. I think." I, I think, unfortunately, it's a very common problem. Like they're, they're not alone um, in in that uh, being such a big issue. Um, I know that there's there's a lot of the the smaller smaller market clubs that are really just they're just on sort of struggle street. I mean, I think ones like the the young sports, like the NHL, the NBA, um, NFL, and uh, the Major League Baseball as well. I think they're still going to be fine. Um, but it's all the feeder clubs and, and, everything else that are going to require a bit of financial assistance. I know in Australia, um, they've been talking a lot about, um, grassroots footy and, and things like that. Um, and what they're going to do there because a lot of them are just, they're just decimated, the poor place, they obviously can't get fees and they've still got bills to pay. They've still got grants to maintain. So, oh man. But, um, but yeah, definitely in, in 24 million bucks when you're talking about, you know, I don't know, what's their, do you have any idea of their normal, like, their normal budget for the year?
2: I think their normal operating cost is about $140 million sterling.
0: Oh, wow, jeez. So that's definitely so, like $300 million Australian.
2: Well, you put that in comparison with the big teams like Mercedes and Ferrari, they're upwards of $300 million annually that they're spending on cool. a Formula One cool. team. And that's part of the regulation change that will come in, mm. because right now you have in Formula One, and you can accept that Ferrari, Mercedes, to a lesser extent, Red Bull, are the only teams that can win a constructors championship. Yes. And they, in the last few years, have been the only three teams to actually win races. Which means there's seven other teams that are out there to simply make up make up the field. So part of these regulation changes are to do with um, parts reliability. So they can't just oh, in the old days Ferrari and the big club big big teams they were just they just keep recycling, or p- keep putting new engines in the car. Cool, practice is mm. done, sweet, new engine, put it in the car. That race is done, new engine, put it in the car. Um, and now, with all the regulations, they have a certain amount of power units they can use per season. Now that's been cut back to particular components have to roll over season after season. And the their financial rele- relegations, I think, for the upcoming season is being dropped down to. I think teams are only allowed to spend about $130 million. I think it's been dropped down even more than that now, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, really? so I think it's like one forty-five or something, and then it'll slowly drop less and less. That's the, right, yes. Yeah, that's right. You're right, yeah. The weird thing with Formula One is because if you look at sports like the NBA and the NFL, there is light at the end of the tunnel if you finish last. There's usually like a, high, a lottery pick or a high draft pick or anything. You don't really have that luxury in Formula One. So, no, one thing so. that brought in, which I think is really interesting, is they've caps the amount of wind tunnel tests that a team can do. <laughs> so, that if you, which is obviously really beneficial for the aerodynamics of the car because that's, you know, most of the um the downfall, most of the grip now comes from aero rather than mechanical grip. So, what they've done is they've gone, if you finish last, you get the higher percentage of wind tunnel tests, whatever the figure is then mm. if you finish first, you get the least amount of wind tunnel tests per off-season, whatever. So it's kind of the only way they can kind of try and give an advantage to a team that's struggling over the big teams. They can just throw money at problems and solve them.
0: See, that's, that's, really, that's, that's really good, actually, I guess, because that's, that's that is a competitive advantage when it comes to that side of things. In fact, that, that little video you sent um, that actually explains everything... Um, was brilliant. So I'm, I'll put that in the in the link in the podcast. They can have a look at that one, and, and, and people could look it up, and it explains that whole thing very very well. Um Because I like I'm not a I'm not a Formula One aficionado by any stretch of the imagination. So it actually, when I read it, I when, when it was explained to me, I was just like, oh, that makes sense. But uh yeah, so it, it was quite good, and I went, oh wow, and, and, you know, I, I don't understand the rules apart from you know whoever races faster wins. Uh, yeah, that's that's, about it. <laughs> but, uh, that's pretty much the, the big ones for the F1. Bondo. any thoughts on the F1 rule changes?
1: Uh, no, just one of the points that um, I wanted to bring up about the wind tunnel uh, testing is one of the um, big benefits of that is grip and tire life. So they're getting effectively too much downforce from um, their... Um, the body of the car, the wings, and that kind of stuff—the aero on the car. So, um, the wind tunnel testing will actually allow them to manage tyre life better, um, to maintain track speed for longer periods of time. So, that aerospace um, is a really important space, and I think it's going to make a big difference um, when you think about how lap wear or how tyre wear affects lap time. So, um, it'll be good to see that roll out and and the effect in the next five years, I reckon.
0: Yeah, so just know you reckon it's going to be something that's going to... It may not have an effect, like, this year or next year, but it'll certainly, um, I guess, even out the competition as it goes on a bit.
1: Yeah, I reckon you're looking at at least five years before you see that playing field come back to uh, par. I'm not going to say par, but it's um, level-ish. Um,
0: no, fair enough, that's fair well I mean like it's uh, with all the the cap changes and that included, I mean the cap changes alone are going to make it just astronomically more uh, fair, I guess, and I mean I think it's it's the old it, we, we talked about this a little bit, and we'll go into it a little bit more when we talk about um, like the the greatest drug cheats that have ever played the sports, um, if you can call them the greatest drug cheats, but anyway, um, but uh, who was the most spectacular taker of drugs? <laughs> anyway, um, but, uh, but but it's also, like, it's got to be, uh, I think, uh, a, a line between fairness, which I'm, I'm, I'm all for everything being fair, but it's also uh, got to have some kind of level of ingenuity, um, and, and throwing more money at it allows... It doesn't... Not just F1. It can be any sport or anything at all. Um, you know, if you want to do R&D, well... To, to make something better, you have to have money to do it. That's just the fact of life. That's how it works. So, I mean, it, will it stifle it? I mean, $135 million is still a truckload of money, don't get me wrong, but for what for them to race a couple of cars, but at the same time, it's not just that. Like, there's a lot of running costs that go to it. So, look, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really interesting, but I just hope it doesn't stifle that um, that sort of creativity and that ingenuity that comes out of F1, which is always spectacular. Um and particularly with like different, I guess, uh, like carbon composites that they use, a different uh, materials they use to keep cars to be somehow they weigh about twelve grams. Um, but it, it's just phenomenal; like they, they're just amazing. But uh, any any other final points, lads, on the news for this no. week? Well, mate, the, the only other point I had um, just for news, the last thing was um, it's pretty big news. Uh, Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez um, are trying to buy um, another. Um, Piece of the New York Mets. They're trying to buy a baseball team again. So you know, pretty big news.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I must have missed that one,
0: mate. Uh, I think I, I was on Fox Sports, and that, uh, there was there was I was uh, I love it. There's just all these random. They just the poor journalists. I feel for a man. They're just like trying to find headlines to just put out there. And they're like, oh yeah, so Jennifer Lopez tried to throw twenty million bucks at the Mets. All right, cool. And that's it. Apparently, this is like the second or third time they've tried to. But that, that's, that's, a, that's a headline news. So, anyway. Uh, right. What else are we going to have a chat about then? Let's see. So, I guess, why don't we jump into the old rivalry? So, speaking of Alex Rodriguez, who's uh, an old player. But we'll jump into uh, in old rivalries we'd love to see come back. So, we talked a bit, or well, we've mentioned before, uh, Mike Tyson, Evander Hollyfield. Um, there's all the old basketball ones. Um, I don't, why don't you guys kick kick us off? Like, uh, who was who was one of your rivalries that you would love to see come back?
2: So the big one for me, and it's on the eve of AFL coming back, is I want to see Carlton and Collingwood play in the finals.
0: Oh mate! Nice.
2: Oh. So granted that, as 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 a Carlton fan and as you as a um, Pies fan, you get to see we usually play each other twice a year. See, you get that in the season yeah. anyway, but the last time that Carlton and Collingwood played in the finals, I think it was like 1988 or something.
0: There's a long time, man. It's been a while.
2: Absolutely. Just, like, just, as a set, just a side note, Carlton did win by 32 points, but either way... Oh, whatever, yeah, we... let's <laughs> not bring that up.
0: Let's not bring that up, okay? Was but it the last is, time is, Carlton actually is... won anything?
2: Or <laughs> oh, This could be a very ugly <laughs> podcast real quick. <laughs> I and mean, footy, footy hasn't even come back yet. We can't even start that.
0: Oh, but no, this is...
2: Cool. As far as I'm concerned, it's one of, if not the biggest rivalry in AFL, the biggest sport in Australia. And it's been far too long in between uh, Carlton being way too long in the bottom of the ladder and Collingwood peaking and falling dramatically. Usually within every few years there's a peak and then there's a fall. And in the last kind of 20-odd years, well, 22 years, there's only really been – I think once that we've ever played in finals against each other.
0: Yeah, very few. There was not not a lot. Yeah,
2: exactly right. So rarely have we been in both been in finals. But then i just for the sake of football as well. The, these are the rivalries I love seeing: is the Carlton Collingwood with something on the line, not just on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon, with something at stake. Yeah, and then I and and second to that, I kind of had um, hawthorne Geelong. Okay. Yep, yep, I can see that. They they were very big competitors not too long ago. So so a bit back in the 80s, there were ma- ma- monster teams playing each other, and that was kind of the era of dominance as well. We know that Hawthorne had a the three-peat and everything, but, um, yeah, th- those are the four big teams that you. I'd just love to see. in Playing in finals was something on the line again, I'm sure, to get everyone going.
0: No, that's that's a good one to put, because they're two of, the, two of the oldest and – Let's just face oh. it, Collingwood is the best club, but, uh, you know, that's fine. Um, but Carlton, Carlton can be in the top, top, uh, I don't know, 16 clubs, I guess. Um, but, uh, no, <laughs> no, but, but seriously though, it is, it is one of the, the greatest rivalries AFL has. It, it's plain and simple. I mean, it's, it's one of those ones where if you're a Collingwood fan, you automatically hate Carlton. It's just, it's just how it is. But it's also like, it's also can be a bit of a friendly rivalry as well. Like we, we can, you know, it's, uh, it's not one where it's like, uh, you know, in, in England where they just want to beat the crap out of each other it's just you know you just want to hang, <laughs> you know hang crap on each other that's all it is like you're not going to yeah, brick someone in the face you're just gonna exactly. Talk exactly. Shit out. but, uh, just but like yeah that's definitely a, right so. a good one um, yeah and then Hawthorne and Geelong, that's that's another one I mean I, I'm not I, I like te- I like both of those teams in terms of their competitive nature and how they play but uh, i I hate Hawthorne with with a passion I can't stand him. I just I, there's I'm not exactly sure what it is but like, there's just something about them. I just I don't know, don't know. Anyway, but uh, but no mate, who who have you got as your your
2: rivalries?
1: So I've got an honourable mention, uh, and it's still running, but it's just based on the pettiness of how the rivalry started. Um, but my uh, rivalry that I'd like to see come back is Prost and Senna um, in the F1. So, um, I'll fill you in on this one. Uh, started off back in 88, um, Prost convinced McLaren uh, to sign Senna uh, to the spare seat they had. Um, so, McLaren signed Senna, Senna went on to win the championship that year, um, which didn't bode too well with Prost. Um, And then the cracks really decided, really started to show the following year, uh, when they had a gentleman's agreement that whoever, um, got off the line the best, um, the other one wouldn't overtake them. Um, and then Senna lost the start, overtook Prost on the first lap, went on to win the race. Um, and it was just down to the nature of the bloke, so Prost, a very methodical driver um, did everything right, just a perfectionist um, and Senna was absolutely relentless um, driven for that win, um, just needed to be the best um, and it came to a head um, in oh, I think it was 91 um, Prost Signed with, uh, signed with Ferrari. Um, and then there was a team rivalry between McLaren and Ferrari. The, um, the rivalry between these two gents was so big. Um, and then Prost went on to retire in 93. Uh, one of the best racing drivers of the time. Um, and sadly, uh, the following year is when Senna, uh, passed in the car accident. Um, but those two guys, personality clash. Just out of proportions, um, and it was on and off the track. It was really, um, really competitive sport. Uh, it, yeah, probably got a little bit personal, but uh, yeah. great competition. Uh, so I'd like to see something like that back.
0: No, that's fair enough. And that's, I'm trying to think of like if there's an equivalent in F1 now. There's probably nothing quite like that where there's these, there's famous stories of, rivalries and drivers throughout the years. They've made movies about them. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure Santa even has a movie. Correct, um, yep. yeah. Yeah, and, uh And then you obviously got Rush, and and uh, there's quite a few ones that are getting around. They had Ford versus Ferrari come out and, and all those interesting ones. But in the modern-day game, uh, at well, I guess modern-day racing, I mean, I'm not quite into it, but I mean, I feel like if I don't know about it as a casual observer, then it's not that big of a rivalry. Like, you have to be into F1. Like, they just, everyone knows that, who Michael Jordan is. Um, but, uh, but you, you don't necessarily get to be a basketball fan. So, it, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's an interesting thought, but I don't know. Is there something equivalent, like, you can think of?
1: Kurti, you've been blurring a bit there for a minute. <laughs>
2: there's, um, I don't think there's, there's nothing on that level. I don't reckon. I, I think the the problem with Formula One, if you're looking at it from a rivalry standpoint, is there's a lot of younger drivers that are all grew up together and are, you know, friends off the track and regardless of what you think of drivers from a you know, a fan point of view, that I think most of them tend to get on for most of the time apart from the couple of hours they're racing every week. There's only there is there's a couple that come to mind that was uh Kevin Magnusson and um Nico uh, Nico Hülkenberg, but Hülkenberg's no longer in Formula 1. They had a couple of good run-ins, even on, on camera too. I think Kevin told Nico to suck his balls at one point good in man. an interview. That was pretty good. <laughs> and the only other one I can think of is um, Esteban, Esteban Ocon's coming back to Formula 1. He's going to race for Renault this year when it starts. And he had a very good run-in two years ago with um, uh, Max Verstappen in Brazil whom uh, Ocon tried to unluck himself and clipped Verstappen, and it led to an altercation, I think, in the way in after the race where Verstappen got yeah, a little bit physical and gave him a bit, bit of the old push and shove. And um, they had a press him. conference afterwards called, um, when when, it, when it asked about what happened with um, Ocon, he said, "I basically, everyone can see that Ocon's a pussy.
0: <laughs> I don't think you need me to explain that to you, journalist. If you can't tell for yourself, mate, what are you doing?
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, with Holkerberg no longer in Formula 1, let's hope that, I mean, Verstappen's fire. If it's going to be anyone, it's going to be him. So let's see. Hopefully him and Ocon can start a bit of a rivalry there. Well,
0: actually, one that I was wondering about that might start up new uh, like old rivalries, because I, I saw uh, Alonso's coming back. There's, there's a chance that he's, that he's making a return.
2: Potentially, that,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if he comes back, I don't know. Does he have anyone like? I mean, I, I was just hoping Kimmy Raikkonen had some kind of a, you know. <laughs> a I, did, I, don't, I don't. Kimmy doesn't give a shit. That's the best thing no. about it. Like, if he just, yeah. I, don't
2: know. I mean, just, everyone loves like Kimmy because cool. he loves a drink. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Well, well that,
0: yeah. that's fair. that's fair. Well, look, uh, for me, I've got i got two uh, two rivalries that, that for me. Uh, I would love to see, well, I guess one's not so much a an existing rivalry, but it's a bit of nostalgia. Like the ones uh, in boxing for me is, is a big one. Um, we've got ones, there's, there's guys at the moment, you've got Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, um, and it, it's it. And I mean, you had Andy Ruiz, but that didn't really count as a rivalry, I don't think. Um, and Tyson Fury, of course, but it just depends. Like I don't know if those guys are going to come across in as generational rivalries. Whereas if 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 I said to you who was the the best ones, I mean to me, uh, you know the the Muhammad Ali obviously and anyone attached to Muhammad Ali. But the, probably the biggest one is is going to be George Foreman or, or Joe Frazier with with uh, with that. And I mean those that type of rivalry. And I think. <laughs> The thing that kind of killed it was uh, was actually the Klitschko brothers. Um, they came in and they effectively had a dynasty coming out of the Ukraine for like two decades. And the, these guys were just these big hulking Eastern European giants with eighteen foot reach, and no one could get them. They were just they were just ultra technical, incredible reach, and very strong. And they just whooped everyone for twenty years. Like they barely lost. They I don't think they lost anything. They defended their title for donkeys until finally Anthony Joshua came along and beat Klitschko when he was about 900 years old. <laughs> like, like, oh, sorry, sorry, mate, I, I made you choke on your beer, sorry. A, a little bit
2: then, too. But you, you kind of bang on because these guys were so indestructible that everyone just had to wait. We've well, we, we got to wait until he's like a senior citizen and then send yeah, the best exactly. up and come all we got and hopefully he'll win. Like with dates, we just had to ride this thing out for nearly two decades of them just dominating world boxing.
0: Basically, but we had to wait till he started eating supper at four thirty. Like it was just bananas. <laughs> but that said though, like I, I think it's coming that way now with, with these I mean, not so much Andy Ruiz, but certainly um Anthony Joshua, um Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Um I think Wilder he when he now that he's been beaten. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh, road back, so look, I think those three are going to be probably the rivalries going forward, and it was good to see Floyd Mayweather and um, uh, Manny Pacquiao for for a little while there as well, they were quite a good rivalry I thought, but I just think having a couple of those legendary boxing rivalries um, I'm not sure, I'm not too fussed if it's in the heavyweight division or, or something like that, but I know they, they tend to believe that um, as the heavyweight division goes as so goes boxing, so that's like if that's the case then I, it would be nice to see something like that like a legendary rivalry come back um but the but the other one that I wanted that I grew up watching and I, I i don't know why I was so fascinated with it but I always was but it was uh Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi playing uh through the 90s and the early 2000s mate in the in the tennis and, and the fact that like they they hold the records for being world number 1 during that time Um, like Pete Samprez held it for like 236 weeks or something like that, and Andre Agassi held it for 101 weeks, a total of being world number one. Um, so those two combined, like, that's, that's over, over a decade worth, um, I, I think is that right? Almost a decade worth of just holding, um, you know, the, the world number one ranking between two blokes. Um, and some of the rallies and matches that they had were just sensational. I mean, the, the closest we've got to that now is probably Federer and Djokovic, or Federer and... uh I'm drawing a blank. Federer and Djokovic, and who's the other guy? Nadal? Nadal, thank you. Okay, <laughs> oh, cool. yeah. I completely blame <coughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, but I'm, I'm a painkillers. okay? Don't judge me. Um, but, yeah, so the, those three guys are probably the, the closest we've got now. Federer, it, to me, is probably the classiest player we've got. Um uh, but he even he's getting to to the end of his um end of his career, I think um he might get another season or two depending um but but he's certainly come to the end. but um if he, he's probably going to be relegated to playing charity matches not too long from now. but um it was uh, it's pretty interesting, I think. he um, to, to get a tennis rivalry right like that come back, but I, I just haven't I haven't seen anything like that really. Can you guys think of a a rivalry there?
1: No, nah, not these days. They're all pretty friendly with each other, which is good.
0: Actually, that's the point. You actually brought that up earlier. You touched on that one about how people um, off the field tend to get along with each other. There's very few people that, that, you know, legit trash talk about people. They might just make jokes or just, you know, they'll, they'll say things just to get a crowd, you know, to sell a fight or, you know, whatever, but... I don't actually see anyone genuinely or genuinely have some kind of disdain or hate for each other. And it's it's bizarre because I remember, like, I mean, I'm watching this Jordan documentary and then the Carter effect and all these other, we talk about it a lot. All these guys from back in the day, man, like, like everyone hated Detroit when Dennis Rodman played for them. They hated them. They, it was just how it was. So, I mean... I don't know. I, it, do you think it's maybe? Do you think social media has killed it? Is it do you reckon that everyone's too friendly and, and it's all too PC these days?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, NRL went that way. well oh, be what? Fifteen years ago, um, and the Footy Show took the Mickey with bring back the Biff, um, okay. and so you had the sporting bodies starting to rule out um, any kind of physical in altercations or anything like that. Um, which is great for the youngsters, but um, it's it's always good to see a bit of that rivalry. Um, you've got a professionally or oh, more recent times between Australia and England uh in the cricket. Um Davy Warner took a swing at um, Joe Root in a pub in England um, for the Ashes Johnny. about three years ago now. <laughs> um so, I think there is still some rivalry there in some sports, but I think it's all, um, yeah, look at the next generation and, you know, sort of mollycoddle them a little bit, um, and just be kinder as a generation, I think is the thing that's going on.
0: Yes, it's definitely a bit, bit, uh, a bit watered down for sure. Um, unless you're in the NHL, I guess they certainly haven't watered that down. Um, they kind of trying to. Go the other way, but uh, speaking of things that are watered down, mate, drug tests. Let's uh, let's have a look at uh, the biggest drug cheats. Uh, Cootsy you like that transition? You like the seg? Um, but mate, there's quite a few uh, drug cheats that have been quite famous um, all throughout sports. Um, I mean, there's there's big obvious ones that that we sort of know about. Um, now this one's not one of mine, I'll pick two, but this, this is one that I just I, I had actually forgotten about and didn't realize that it actually counted as a drug cheat, um, but it was back in 2003. Um, now this guy oh, you, you're, when I say who it is, it'll, it'll make sense, but he's Tubby, and he's not the most athletic person in the world, and he was done he got, he got sent home from a world tour um, because he took diuretics. Now, do you remember... <laughs> yeah,
1: that was, was Shane yeah, Warne.
0: Shane Warne. Right? So, <laughs> Now warn He got done for taking... He, he failed a standard drug test, and it turned out he was taking some kind of diuretic. And I'm like, mate, if you're going to get done for performance enhancing, making yourself poo more doesn't seem like a real uh, great way to go. I'm going to be honest.
1: Yeah, and his excuse for me was what really put the icing on the cake. Um, my mum told me to take it, yeah. <laughs> Come on, mate. i have been a station. professional athlete for, what, 15 years now? And my mum told me to take it. Yeah, good on you, mate.
2: But I don't get it. Warney seems in better shape now, however many years after he retired, than he did through his, his entire playing career.
0: Liposuction,
2: mate. <laughs> it must be, i tell you what. Like, there's there's well, something going on there.
1: I reckon it's because he was married for his entire playing career, and he's got to be in... You know, hunting form. Now he's on the prowl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. That is a fair point, actually, because it was, He was. He was with uh, Liz Hurley for a while, and yeah, and whatever else. So. But, um, but I don't know. warning mate. I just I saw that one pop up on the list, uh, and, and as I was doing a bit of research, and I, I it just, it just made me laugh because I mean, the, the man, he was. He's not exactly going to win. He's not going to beat Hussein Bolt. But my God, could he be good? Could he bowl a leg break? He could uh, spin that ball out of his hands better than pretty much anyone else. But, um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Does he get more rotations on the ball when he takes diuretics? Who knows? Um, <laughs> all right, now, uh, Bondi, mate, start us off. Who have you got for for your drug sheet, El Scandalo? That's better well, for drug scandal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the thing that brought this up was the whole Bronson Zeri um, situation. Yeah. Um, now, he's well, was, playing for the Sharks, um, got caught in November last year um, with illegal drugs in his system. It took um, Asada... Asada? Yeah. Um, Up until two days before the competition restarted to release the information that he is a drug or he has been caught on performance-enhancing drugs. So... One question is, why has it taken six months for this to come out? Um, and there's been speculation. Paul Gallen's probably the one um, that's felt this the most and spoke in his mind is um, that they're grabbing headlines. Um, yeah. So are they actually doing their job um, or are they, you know, just chasing headlines to keep their name relevant um, which I think that would be extremely negative if a governing body is chasing headlines. But mm. I have got nothing. Why have they let this go on for six months? Um, I, I I believe he played the first two games of the season as well. So it's it is, yeah. they they've allowed him to play after a positive drug test. He didn't um, get the B sample tested. Um, so. Why it seems pretty cut and dry to me, um, you got caught with illegal drugs in your system, report it through the NRL um, and ban him like it shouldn't take six months
0: oh, i I agree with you man it, it's it's an interesting one, and I, I actually I put some thought into it, and I couldn't really come up with any sort of reasonable explanation for it i mean I, it's not that there haven't been precedents of it before. I mean, uh, the famous one was when it happened to Cradulla again, um, and of course Essendon at the same time, um, where they had that, what's that, with the guy with a spectacular name of Stephen Dank, um, but, uh, he basically was feeding people, uh, like, uh, just, um, PEDs and, and peptides and for some reason giving him calf's blood or something, I don't know, something disgusting like that. Anyway, there's a bunch of stuff going on there, um, And they basically played a whole season, even with this investigation going on. So, uh, like, it's it's hard to know why they do it, Um, but you're right. I mean, this seems a little bit on the nose as to why um, a a publicly-run governing body is not, you know, is not holding up to the standards. I mean, uh, I don't know, Cootsie, any theories?
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is a weird one to... (laughs) Not in, in no way an expert on it at all, and and I, we all know that there's all sorts of doping and drug and the way people try to look for the unfair advantage without actually breaking the rules, and then they find out down the track that yeah, no, you shouldn't have done that. That's wrong. But I think with, especially with the bombers case, it was the they seemed to cop it more for the governance of it rather than hey, what you did was wrong. Because yeah, there's pepper. so many grey areas in, in everything that it really just beggars belief that you just... If there's a book on everything you can't take, if they're found to take that, surely that's illegal and then penalties apply. But this seemed to be a governance issue rather bigger than it was the actual peptide issue.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that, that's a fair point too. I mean, it, it, it's interesting, uh, this whole case. I mean, I I, I don't know... Really, what like because there's, in in, my mind, there's a lot of different levels of of, of, uh, people getting done for for drug cheats. But if we're talking specifically about performance-enhancing drugs, now that's that's one level, and that's what I was going to ask you guys opinions on it because it comes back to uh, oddly enough what I was saying before about are you going to be stifling creativity with not allowing money into R and D. It's uh are we limiting people's bodies from achieving a level of success because I'm not I'm not saying people should all take steroids, but there's certainly other things out there like peptides um, and various other like just compounds that people can take um, that are in fact banned in sports still. Um, and I wonder if they would be able to take them to then um, enhance their body's capabilities. Um, I, I don't know what, what. What are your guys' thoughts on like a, a having a league where um, no one's allowed to? You must be completely natural, and then you could have a league where it's like, roy it up as much as you like.
1: Yeah, I think it's a dangerous precedent to set because you're encouraging people to go beyond what their bodies are naturally capable of, um, and to experiment. So, I think medically. Um, it would be a bad idea. I mean, weightlifters, bodybuilders, stuff like that have been doing it for generations. Um, but as far as, you know, things like the NRL go, um, having someone that weighs, you know, 115 kilos hit you um, for, you know, probably one of the bigger players, 130, um, to then have that jacked on roids, um, I think that's going to be extremely dangerous for not only the player taking the roids but yeah. um, the the other players on the field as well
0: yeah no you, I think you're, you're exactly right, mate. I mean if you've got um, say Kalen Ponger with Jason Talmalilo that's going to be hard enough with Jason <laughs> Talmalolo being completely you know filled up with roids. I mean it it's 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 a good point um, I think i I'm not so much thinking about that side of it. I mean I know exactly the argument you're making, and it makes perfect sense to me. I guess my thoughts are things like, for example um, it's more to do with blood recovery and body maintenance. um so things like for example, stem cells um, and, and treatments that they can get with with that sort of thing um, and development of it' Cause a lot of it does a lot of those things with steroids and those type of things. the experimentation is done with athletes so that that's sort of where I, I wonder you know how much effect it has and then of course if people have taken it in the past um and then they stop taking it for say six months to a year have they still gained an unfair advantage but they passed a point where it's no longer in their system like you know like that's that's a, that's another part that i wonder about as well
1: yeah that's a good point to bring up i didn't really think about it from that perspective like I'm an eighty kilo bloke with next to no muscle on me. Um, <laughs> if I hit the gear you know six months you know looking at a hundred ish then yeah, that's definitely gaining an unfair advantage to get into a competitive realm um, of sportsmanship so um, yeah, I don't know do you do you draw the line at? You know, once you're there, you're there and you have to maintain yourself. Or, um, And then going into proving that back history and stuff like that. I mean, you look at Paul Gallen pre-2015, 14, whenever it was, and then Paul Gallen post um, yeah. the peptide scandal. Um, and you're looking at that kind of development, um, not saying that he necessarily did anything wrong he might have just hit the gym and built his sights but um definitely with that speculation in the air um yeah he he did maintain that throughout the next well the rest of his career but um there was definitely a size increase of probably 10 or 15 kilos over that one or two year period yeah
0: yeah you're right it's it's an interesting one i I don't know like i yeah, it, it's an interesting debate you can go on for a long time. But I mean, I, for me, I, I found ones uh, like, for example, like my probably there was a couple of cheats in there that that I found um a lot in cycling. To be uh, like, to to be honest, there was there was there, there was a lot. Like I was like, Jesus! Like there, there's like apparently um, like there, I don't know. It's just some crazy amount. But there was one in particular. There was a guy. um who, he took, uh, he took, there was, it was a drug called, um, Clambuterol. Now, he took that, and that, that's fine, but what it is though, it's, it's basically, he came back to win the Tour de France. It was Alberto Contador. Now, he took Clambuterol. as a fat burning and muscle building supplement that is used by farmers to fatten their livestock. So, <laughs> if you're taking something that's designed to make cows big, and I, I'm just saying, like, it, it just seems like a bad idea to me. Um,
2: but I don't know, who else did you find, Coons? Um, So on the topic of cycling, as far as I can remember, the biggest drug cheat of my generation anyway has to be Lance Armstrong oh, yeah. and just, just the saga that involved that because for years it was, no, I haven't cheated and then it was, oh, we think he cheated again and then, no, I definitely didn't cheat and he was on Oprah and said he didn't cheat and then yeah. years and years down the track you get there, yeah, no, I actually did cheat in those seven Tour de France. So I did it all on roids and. Yeah. yeah. So, for someone to be, to deny it so frequently and then and on have Oprah, everyone constantly.
0: Stuff? That's basically
2: under oath if you're at Oprah. But, but virtually, yeah. You can outline it, Oprah. It's like yeah, hand no. on the Bible type stuff. like. <laughs> but. And then to to finally come out and then and he's got the he's got a, do- a doco on Ko that I'm kind of halfway through waiting for the second half to come out, um, which is sad because the first half is all how awesome is he and it's really just the drug cheat stuff that everyone really wants to know about, oh. and then the penalty that he's had. So I looked I looked at quite a lot and you're right in cycling there's so much in track and field there is heaps oh. of drug cheats. That's phenomenal. And, um, but the the best the penalty that Lance. Suffered was obviously was stripped of all these Tour de France titles. I think there were seven in total, um, Olympic medals. But the the actual life ban from um, UCI is probably the biggest one. That okay, we now identify that you have cheated. You can now never do this ever again. Yeah. So that that was yeah. the biggest takeaway. But yeah,
0: I mean, to to be well, fair to, to Lance, though, I mean, if he's been drug tested a bunch of times before. Wouldn't they have just found it out earlier?
2: Well, beggars belief. Like, how, how can he – what did he do then to cheat, which is why I'm so curious because I don't learn anything from reading. It's all from documentaries and little oh, yeah. YouTube videos. So I'm dying to find out, like, how, how was it – because all these teammates on that reported that, no, he's definitely doping and then still yeah. managed to cheat the system for so long that, it um, yeah, finally the confession came out. We, I assume the fe- confession came out. After the no,
1: we've definitely caught you cheating came out, but mm. we'll find mm. out. Yeah, I think, and this is going to be bad, but the bad thing to come out of all of that is Live Strong, which was his oh, yeah. charity um, <laughs> to support cancer sufferers um, and recovering yeah. um, yes. people. That charity went under. Um, so, you know, it used to be massive. It used to be partnered with Oakley um, along with a number of other um, brands and that kind of stuff. Uh, and I haven't seen the Livestrong logo um, or anything about it probably in about five or ten years, ten years now. Yeah. Um, oh, the so, website
0: still exists and everything, but I don't think it does much. I mean, I, I remember reading his book. It's not just about the bike and, and going through... um like, I had some of the Livestrong gear and, and stuff like that. You used to get the Livestrong show bags and all that stuff, and I, I was big into it. I found him inspirational. It's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, he got cancer and came back and, and beat it and did all that stuff, and it's phenomenal. Like, I, I, it used to be something, and it's still, it's still pretty inspirational, but, you know, I think, though, the interesting part that I, that I found was uh, just to cement uh, the fact that cycling is a dirty, filthy sport uh, is that um, I think they um, when, when Lance got done for cheating the Tour de France, they had to go back to like the guy that came 15th or something ridiculous like that to find someone that hadn't been done for PEDs and cheating. So, like, it, it's like it's, it's, that's up there, man. Like, uh, it, it's ridiculous. Like, if you're just racing against a bunch of robots, what are you supposed to do, mate? Like, Jesus. But, I, I think mean, like, it's
2: generationally tarnished the sport of cycling as well. And we're not throwing just Lance under the bus. Like you said, There's seems to be a lot of people that cheat in this sport for whatever reason. Um, I imagine there's money involved in it. I really don't know what, what kind of coin the average cyclist brings in. But um, for forever, or for my generation anyway, cycling will be forever synonymous with drug cheats.
0: Yeah, completely agree, man. It's it's true. I I can't think of another sport that was that is quite except for the the maybe the big scandal in Major League Baseball where there was a bunch of players got done, but but still, I, I just I can't think of a sport that an entire generation is just gonna. Yeah, I I think I feel the same about that too. But I mean, for me, probably though, like just speaking of someone like that, my my biggest drug cheat that I found, um. <laughs> and probably the penalties as well. This has probably came the penalties were a little on the stiffer side. Was Marion Jones? Now I don't know if you guys remember that name, but um, yeah, you got the yeah, remember the one? Yeah. So the reason I, I remember her was because uh, she actually raced in Sydney in the Olympics, and uh, she came to Australia, um, and she won five medals. Um, she won three of them were gold at the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, um, but then she went downhill real fast uh, because in 2007 she admitted that she used steroids during the course of her career and like she 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 didn't just pay for it like she jones she was stripped of all of her medals from the olympics as you would expect but the big kicker was she was sentenced to six months in prison for perjury after previously lying under oath about her ped use so you know for someone who like goes from being a track star olympian like someone who like has done something like I mean to win five medals in in one Olympic Games is insane. Only to come out and find out that oh wait sorry you're going to jail because you're an idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous.
0: Right, that's that's up there. But that that was that was my that was my biggest one. That I, I mean there's, there is so many. Like it, it's it's truly like sport is like people just want to win, man. Like people that's that's it. They just desperately want to win. I, I feel like that's it. But did you find any any other one that was particularly spectacular stand out to you, Bondi?
1: The only one that I've like really focused on was Sun Yang, or Sun Yang, uh, the oh, yeah. Chinese swimmer. So this is a little bit in the grey. So he hasn't actually been convicted of cheating uh, yet. Um, what the conviction is is tampering with um, a test. So, the test was aborted after they'd taken his bloods. I don't know how you do that. Um, but, yeah, apparently the, the package was tampered with after his bloods were taken. Um, so, then they got him to go and wear in a cup. Um, and the, offic- the official that um, watched him do that actually started taking photos. So, um, really weird... And so that whole drug test was basically void. Um, so he hasn't actually been convicted of it, um, and the blood tests are still sitting in, or apparently still sitting in his doctor's office, um, but they can't be used, obviously, because they've um, been tampered with. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a bit of a grey area, but the thing that brought... This to light was Mac Horton refusing to stand on the uh, number two podium next to him at the 2019 World Swimming Championships. Yes. Um, called him out as a cheat publicly. Um, copped a lot of flack for it at the time, um, but is starting to spool a bit of support and actually got a pat on the back uh, for it not too long ago. So good on your Mac um, and be interesting to see how this one unwinds.
0: Man, you you're not wrong and it it's the 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 Chinese swimming teams are not exactly uh <laughs> i guess free and clear when it comes to steroid use let's put it that way um most of their, their women were built like shrek um back uh <laughs> not too long ago so they uh they just they used they used a quite a quite a bit of performance enhancement but anyway um let's, i think we're gonna we're gonna run out of time to talk about any more of these uh these drug sheets mate. so look let's Let's crack on and talk about the, the, the things that we love, mate. Give us a wanker of the week, Cootsie. Who you got for us?
2: <laughs> no. So this one, I'd actually been sitting on this one for a couple of weeks. Um, not that it was particularly slow news week, but I think because we got sport rolling back, there's less people going out and being dickheads or any sports <laughs> wankers. So this one this one, and this one really irked me as a Calton supporter as well. So the winner this week is Kane Corns. Um, is former oh, yeah. AFL player and a joke of a media personality who oh, called Alice, Alex, Alex Jezelenko's mark, sen- mark of the Century overrated. <laughs> so, so this, you can imagine, <laughs> irked not only Carlton fans, but, um, oh. it, of all people who went into bat for Jezza was, uh, Collingwood president Eddie Maguire. Yes. And and this I love. And and for everything about Eddie that people hate, I actually really admire, almost admire the man anyway. let's Falling short of paying him any sort of compliments. No. But he went on to say, and this was great, it's the real Victorian dig at South Australians, which is what I also love as well. But he's gone and goes, I'm sick of all the South Australians, and in particular the Corns family, denigrating anything good from Victoria or from the VFL or AFL. He went on to say, I'll tell you why it's the greatest mark of all time, because in front of 121,696 people who were seeing Collingwood kill Colton at that stage, it was the 1970 grand final, mind you, Mm. until Jezalenko took that mark and then framed the biggest comeback in history of the game in in the biggest game ever to be played in front of all those people, grand final sign, Mm. Um, and it also, it put his club away for 20 years. Jezza's mark and the rest of his game was the stuff of folklore. It was while kids of our generation said Jezza every time they were jumping for a ball. They still do so it. Uh, absolutely. So this is this is the facts that I'm alluding around. Is it such an iconic mark that it's not only been dubbed the mark of the century, is that it is by right the greatest, Mark in AFL VFL history, obviously VFL before it was then rebranded yeah. to the AFL, yeah. um, and it was taken in front of the largest crowd in history on the biggest stage possible, 120 odd thousand people in the AFL Grand Final. Yeah. It coined the iconic commentary from Mike Williamson of Jezalenko, you beauty, yeah, which yeah. is a phrase still coined and still used actively today when people are kicking around at training. They still scream that when they go for a hanger. Yep, yep. and um, so the fact that the fact that Corns has come out and said all this, Eddie's gone in to go, mate, pull your socks up. That Corns has then come back, and this is the bit that really caps Corns as the wanker of the week. He's come back and gone in reply to Eddie's comments, stating that he didn't disagree with anything that Eddie said. However, <clears> he went on to say, if you get rid of the commentary and you get rid of the fact it was a grand final in front of 120,000 people and you put it up against 15 of Jeremy Howe's marks with no sound and no understanding of when the mark was taken, the mark itself is overrated. So basically, if you take one of the most iconic images of VFL AFL history and take away everything that makes that particular moment iconic, you're right, it's just a mark. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that this this is
0: more than a mark. I mean, I, I guess like I I I know the point he was trying to make, but he failed dismally at it. Like I think he's trying to say something like, if you had a Ferrari and you took all the Ferrari badges off it, is it still a Ferrari? Well, yes, it is. Like that's it's still like it's still the most amazing thing in the world. Like it's it's iconic because it was one of the best grand finals in history. And I mean, we lost. So you know, whatever. I'll cry myself to sleep later about it. We have a history of the most lost grand finals in AFL VFL history. So whatever. But anyway, the <laughs> point is that uh yeah, like I, I just think Corns. I never liked him much. Uh, I I you know it, this is this is one I refused to put him on my fantasy team because I hated him that much.
2: <laughs> I think but, he's uh, he's he's fast becoming the Stephen A of AFL. Oh, mate. They'd,
0: they'd, that's a great analogy because I hate Stephen A as well. <laughs> Same as well,
2: absolutely, absolutely. I refuse to listen to either of them. But no. I only, this only sparked because Eddie Maguire's comeback. I'm like, that's great. Like, and and we're t- this is a guy who went in to bat for a Colton player of the president of the club that they beat. Yeah, yeah, exactly, so that's, exactly. So on, on the biggest rival of AFL history who goes in to oh. bat for Jezza to claim that, yeah, by rights, it is. But yeah, I love that. If you take everything away that makes the mark iconic, it's just a mark. Well, oh, shit. Cool. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so there
0: you
1: go.
0: Mate, that's a great one. That is a cracker. I like that one. That's, um, that's a really good piece of use that one. I I, I, I remember reading about Eddie Maguire losing his mind. I, I, that's, that's the thing. Like I'll always, I'll always back Eddie. That's just how I am, but I love it. All right. Now we've got to move over to Bondi's obscure sport though. Now, mate, you, you gave us, we've had, Bull riding, wife carrying, we've had extreme ironing. What have you got for us?
1: Mate, this one is out of the country where they've got the unicorn as their national animal. Uh, oh. So referring to Scotland. That's a true fact. Um, yeah. True fact. Um, this one is the caber toss. So um, this was off the back of our strongman talk. Um, oh, the right. lift, All that kind of stuff. So a caber toss, you basically get a log that's 16 and a half, 19 and a half feet long. I don't know why they didn't just round it to 20. Um, Weighs somewhere in the realms, 175 pound. Um, And you've got to balance this thing vertically and then throw it end on end and try and get it to land directly in front of you. So distance doesn't matter. It's the direction of the throw and making sure it has one full rotation. Um, So it can land anywhere between the nine and the three on the clock. Twelve is perfect, um, as long as it does that one full rotation um, and and lands on the other end. So I saw this, and I'm like, what? Um, It's just a ridiculous support. (laughs)
0: It is. <laughs> oh my! That's, like, such a Scottish thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I just throw this log as far as I can. No, no, it's got to rotate <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's I terrible. Go just throw it and rotate it. No, 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 it's got to rotate and land right in front of you. <laughs> oh Jesus! Mate, that's, yeah, it's right for the toss. it's ridiculous. It's 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 phenomenal, mate. They also invented golf, so you know, that's it's it's true, like that's just how they are. They come up with some spectacular ideas, they're Scottish, mate, I love it. But that's yeah, and please forgive me for my horrendous Scottish accent. Uh but it was uh but that's that's amazing. So, but do you reckon the nineteen and a half feet like they just happened to have that was just the length of tape that they had and they are just like, yeah, right, that's that's what we've got going for us, that's the only
1: one we've got, we'll just use that. I've got no idea where 19 and a half feet came from. <laughs> no, I don't think they do either.
0: No, that's, that's sensational. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I love finishing on these. The Wakers of the Week and then, buddy, the sports. They make me laugh. They make me happy. Yeah. We talk about <laughs> drug fees and just the biggest, like, just Muppets and idiots, and then we just get these spectacular ways to finish off. I love it. <laughs> Oh, uh, but that, well, okay. So with the obscure sport, I do have to ask. I'm guessing there's a world championship for this sucker.
1: Oh, I, I'm guessing there would be as well. Um, I couldn't see a world championship, so to speak. There's obviously competitions, um, mm. but yeah, didn't see any world championships. It's just a bunch of Scots gathering together, um, throwing, throwing logs. Some big
0: logs. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan. All right, lads. Well, look, we, we've gone. Uh, we're well over the hour mark at the minute. Was there any other any other factors or any other points you wanted to to bring up before we uh, leave it there?
1: No, mate, not for me.
0: Perfect. No worries. Well, look, that's that's a cracker show. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about next week still, um, but uh, we'll leave it there for for the evening. Thanks, lads. Thanks. Well, that's the end of the episode, and thanks so much for listening, and tune in next time for some more next-level content, and please do make sure you subscribe and review. It's a big help to us. Cheers.